Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. It's been a bit of a break and a lot of things have happened in the world of Aston Villa. So here I am, James Rushton, joined by Danny Raza to catch up and go through all the events that have occurred, I guess, in the last few weeks. Uh, how are you doing, mate? Hello, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I am just sat here with a with a bottle of water, just trying to, well, trying to recollect what's been going on for the last few weeks. It has been a while since we've recorded the Holtcast. Yeah, um, we've had A, connection issues, B, scheduling issues, and C, <laughs> we've just been doing work, really, haven't we? Um, I think, <laughs> where do we start? Because Aston Villa have hired a new manager. Mm-hmm. Ellis passed away. Yes. Um, Villa have played three games since that all happened. Mm-hmm. And it's it, <laughs> there's a lot to go through. So I think the best thing to do, mate, is just to kind of discuss, chat about Villa hiring a new manager, the new structure. Of course, John Terry's there. Um, Garcia Pitar is the new director of football. Perslow, the CEO, has had a, you know, his role's coming to focus. So I think we start with Dean Smith. Um, how happy were you when the news broke a few weeks ago now that he was hired? It's old news now, but how happy were you at the time? Or weren't you happy at all, Talma? Look, I was, I was happy with the appointment. Uh, I, I think that most Villa fans would be. I, I don't think that we saw a lot of complaints from from Aston Villa fans at all. I mean, there was there was a few perhaps dotted around who thought that perhaps we needed a bigger name. Perhaps we needed somebody who had taken a team up to the Premier League. Perhaps we needed a manager who perhaps hasn't done that, but has experience of playing with bigger players, somebody like Thierry Henry. But I think that if you do ask the majority of fans, they will say that they were happy with Dean Smith's appointment because of the work that he has done with Brentford on a relatively small budget, something that he's going to have to uh, repeat at Aston Villa uh, in, in, in some sense. So I, I would say that, uh, you know, you ask the majority of fans, yeah, I mean, me, myself, uh, I, I do think that it's a smart appointment um, as part of uh, as part of Aston Villa's new structure. Yeah, I think it's been a really positive thing for Villa to hire a man who uh, not only has extensive managerial experience throughout the leagues at Warsaw, of course, coaching at Leighton Orient and uh, then managing Brentford to some success. But he's also from Great Bar and he's a Villa fan. And I think that's given fans a lot of patience. And that's a very important point considering what's happened in the weeks that we've hired him. Uh, of course, John Terry and uh, Richard O'Kelly come on board to back him up. But uh, it's been a rough few weeks for Dean Smith. Um, we've won one game and we've uh, lost two, in fact. And um, we started off, we we beat Swansea and Villa looked competent. And they looked competent again against Norwich before faltering and failing. And they looked competent, more than competent against QPR, but they still lost. So there's, there's been a lot of impatience on Twitter. I've seen a lot of people kind of lash out, but I've also seen just as many people say, hey, we look good and we lost. That's still some reason to be happy. Is that right? At all, Danny? Uh, I mean, first of all, interesting you should say, you should mention that he's from Birmingham because I don't know who the last Aston Villa manager from uh, the area actually was. Uh, I mean, you, even if you go, <laughs> if you go as far back as, as Ron Saunders, the closest you go, you go to is, uh, well, the closest you can go really is, uh, I think John Gregory was from Scunthorpe. But, um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> go back to, back to your question. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think people are a little bit weary so far because if you look at Dean Smith's record uh, since becoming Aston Villa manager, it is one win and two defeats. And yes, 
that isn't positive. And uh, no, if you if you look purely on a results basis, uh, you you you'd basically say that well, it's it's not improved, has it? Since um, from Steve Bruce, uh, we people were were saying, and I think that the problem for a lot of people was that. We have a good squad. Aston Villa have a good squad of players. They they do have the likes of Tammy Abraham. They do have the likes of of of, of Yannick Balassi. So surely all you need is one manager to come in and, and 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 stick them on a pitch and and tell them to attack. But no, it's a lot more complicated than that. At the end of the day, James Villa have been playing better football. You've seen them pass the ball along, um, pass the ball you know out from the back and and try to create opportunities. It has it has been a bit of a difficult thing. They have struggled just a little bit with it, but at least the ball's not being shot over the top of the you know shot over the top of the defense you know i think i think that's the, that's the main thing uh the the style of football that dean smith is bringing is what aston villa fans wanted and you're gonna have to be patient for that to work this is a total system change i think it's worth in that case skipping ahead so we ignoring swansea great win ignoring mm-hmm. norwich sad loss queens park rangers a ball over the back um gets queens park rangers their goal the only goal of the match <laughs> Um, it's it's rough though, isn't it? Because you just see all of it undone, and you know, in that circumstance, it's a straight street fight between James Chester and um, the QPR striker, who's got a you know a head of steam on him to to win the the battle. So it's it's all rather unlucky, like how he worked out. The QPR goal, the QPR QPR handed us most of our most of our uh, our issues on the counter attack. We struggled against QPR's counter attack because they were so deep. That goal when you look at it back there's a reason why they found it so easy. And when it comes to football, what you've got to remember is that everybody has to be on alert. Absolutely everybody, because I don't care where the ball is. I don't care, you know, what's going on, uh, you know, where 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 the striker and the defender is. Every the way that football works is like a well-oiled machine. Little cogs, if one of them is broken, then the whole thing will become a mess. And when Bjarnason was obviously signaling that he needed a substitution, he wasn't pressing one of the midfielders at uh, at QPR, and that in turn makes it far easier for QPR to find a key pass because look, the whole midfield system breaks away. You know that that's that's nobody's real. That's not really anybody's fault, is it? It's Bjarnason who 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 was injured and needed to come off the pitch. It was unlucky, and so obviously the defenders were caught out. In general, though, uh, we didn't look that bad defensively. But if there was something I had to criticize, it was it was the fact that we really did look bad on the counter attack. Yeah, I think Villa played the way they were meant to play against QPR. They had a lot on the ball. They dominated the game, and they looked genuinely exciting. And I think when something like that happens, a ball over the back, it's a perfect sign that, you know, despite how well you play football, no team has a right to win a game. There's such fluid things. A goal, you know, QPR's keeper could have dropped the ball. It rolled into his net 1-1. That, that's the situation. As unlikely as it sounds, that could have happened. Villa would have had no right to have that, that, that goal. It's all up in the air. And that's why we follow football, because it can't be really well explained when things happen like that happen, you you can just look at look at it, look at the ball over the top, and you have to hand your, hold your hands up in the air and say, "That's football." <laughs> That's so. Do you think? Happen. So do you think? Do you think that it's a case for Aston Villa fans of uh, be careful what you wish for? In a sense, in a sense, yes. But I think Aston Villa are playing. Look, they'd have lost that game anyway. If Steve Bruce was in charge, they'd have lost that game. They'd have lost the game against Norwich, and they'd have probably they probably wouldn't have won it against Swansea. So. 
yeah, in a, in a sense, if you want this, if you want good football, you have to accept that Villa, despite how pretty they play, cannot win every single game. And, hey, they and especially not straight away. Games. They might lose some games that they would have won if they'd been more pragmatic. But I think over the long, longer period of time, you'll pick up more points because you're creating more, not just shots. You're not just shooting. You're creating quality chances. That's the only way we can track this is, you know, expected goals, quality chances. Make the quality of your shots better and you'll have more chance of scoring. That's it. What did you, what did you make of uh, Grealish's performance over the, over the last few games? He seems to be playing in a slightly different way. I'm not so sure that he's playing slightly different. I think form has escaped him, but I think he is coming back. I think against QPR, he did look a lot better and he was all over the pitch. He was running deep, getting the ball, charging attacks. So he hit the post off a free kick. And um, as much as that was the goalkeeper not dealing with it, it's still better than we've had recently. I mean, no, I think we've got no assists, no goals from him so far. I think we may have one assist, actually. I do remember him putting in the corner. Was that a, a goal? I'm not sure. But um, I think he's looked good. Uh, a lot of people say drop him, and look, he's un- he's undroppable. What would I don't know? Would you drop do, him? No, do, I don't do, think so. Do you understand the fans who are saying that we should have taken the offer in the summer, retrospectively, albeit uh, that we should have actually taken the offer in the summer, and that and that he was obviously worth not well not worth that 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 twenty million. It's tough, though, because it's very easy to say when he's playing bad or he's not got any goals or any assists to say, hey, he's not going to be worth 30 million now. But I think his value to Villa is worth more than simple, you know, digits. Mm. Of course, it will help with certain things if you can sell him. But look, it had been demoralized. The squad would have been demoralized from the get-go. Lost their best player. True, true, true. And also, also, there's this, there's this like fantasy football culture, isn't there? There's this like, you know, uh, if a player isn't isn't giving you fantasy team points, he's not he's not quite doing it. I mean, I I was guilty of it as well, especially when I was researching sort of European football as a, as a teenager, just looking up on who scored as who's got the most goals and who's got the assists. Uh, Grealish is always that player who 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 sets up the guy giving the assist a lot of the time. Uh, so I, I I really think that people shouldn't read too much into his statistics when it comes to that? Yeah, a lot of people say, hey, replace him with Callum O'Hare, but I don't think they're similar players at all. I think people look at how they kind of are nimble, they're nimble on their feet. They kind of slide around the pitch almost. Nah. But say say if O'Hare makes 5% less passes a game, fewer passes, yeah. say he's misplacing those passes and those passes are causing counterattacks and Villa lose games because of that. You know, that's a situation that could happen. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I'm just putting that out there that if you put a player who isn't as adapted to the team as he is and he's not got the chemistry and he's not making those passes, you put Villa in danger. It's not a simple case of plug and play O'Hare in. Yeah, you won't believe he's talented. You can't just do that. You've almost got to hope that Callum O'Hare develops into sort of a Javier Saviola type player, kind of like behind the striker, you know, the, the, the little guy behind the striker, because, uh, you know, he's, he's he's not as strong as Jack Grealish, and I don't think he will, I don't think he'll ever be. I don't think he... We did say, we have always said that Jack Grealish was never going to be this type of player that he is now, though. We always said he's going to be fragile, soft, not not challenged for the ball, but he yeah, is... Jack's, Jack's taller. Yeah, yeah, there is that, there is that, but I think, I think this kind of thing where you look at players' size and weight and just dismiss them... It's it's not a football anymore. I think O'Hare's tenacious, like a mm. terrier. I think you, 
give like McGinn, very much like McGinn. And hey, I think we'll take that. But we don't know what we have with him yet. And I think his development's progressing well. I think Villa are doing the right thing. A lot of people say, put him in the team, put him in the team. I'm not sure that helps, you know, but we'll, we'll see. Dean Smith's got a good reputation for bringing people through. And he says in his press conference that he's listening to reports from Mark Delaney, Kevin McDonald, the youth coaches, and just when people are ready. So he's doing the right thing. He's not going above his station almost and dictating everything. He's not saying this person is not in your under 23 team anymore. He's in my first team. He's making, he's doing things naturally, letting the progression be natural. Yeah, I, I think appreciate it, that. I think I think people expected him to come in and kind of just like <laughs> just dilapidate the whole the whole the, the whole boat, so to speak. You know, I then I think I think you can't you can't expect him to do that. I think Dean knows what the what the situation is at the club, and he understands that things are a little bit fragile, and that. Perhaps just making little changes at a time is probably the best thing to do. I understand that people want results and they want results fast, but we just have to be a little bit patient here. Yeah, it's, it's all going quite well. And I think what we have to understand is there's a lot of players who are stagnating under Steve Bruce, who are who do look better. One of them's Ahmed Al-Mohamedi, who looks be- a lot better as a winger, will I add. And Gwen, Glenn Whelan, I said Gwen Whelan then. Glenn Whelan is looking a lot better. He, he looks almost like he's found his role. He's good at, He's good at one-touch passing. He dictates the play. And I think that's something we can now appreciate is not that he's forcing youth players through. I think he will. I think he will bring a lot of youth players through when he gets to grips with the full extent of the side. But also, that Glenn Whelan's getting better players like that, that were stagnating and getting better. Glenn might not be what Villa need in that Not position. what they need, no. What Villa almost need, if they really want to be playing with John McGinn and, and Jack Grealish as part of a central midfield, is somebody like a somebody like a Jedinak holding in that uh, holding in that midfield role. I mean, he's the perfect player, really, to be playing in that position for the style of football that Villa play. Bjarnison as well has, has, has done well, but I can't expect him to do it over the course of a full season because he's never really been that that holding midfielder. But I almost feel like Villa just lack a little bit of bite. John McGinn's brought brought it back in, but. That midfield, I thought against QPR, really, really struggled. Genuinely, I thought, I thought, I, and in fact, in fact, you know, I think that has been a key for the last couple of games. Actually, the midfield seems to be struggling just a little bit. They don't really have a grip on the game, and it just almost seems as though they can get out past. Yeah, again, it just comes to this thing where I think because we're Aston Villa, because we we are a quote-unquote big club and now we're playing pretty football, people do expect us to win and expect Dean Smith to make every right decision. And I think it's fair to say that not every decision he makes is going to be right. But I feel a lot more confident in trusting his decisions. Whether well, he doesn't lose team yet. Yeah, it's that as well. And they've barely had any training and they've had, what, three games in six days. Look, if Dean comes into the into the club, if anybody comes into the club, Dean Smith also is a very is a relatively young manager. He's going to start looking at the experienced players first. I understand why people don't necessarily want Glenn Whelan to be starting or don't necessarily want Alan Hutton to be starting ahead of James Bree, but he's going to start looking to the other leaders around the squad. You know, immediately when he goes in, he's going to try and see if he can get something out of them because at the end of the day, yeah, you can go in and and and, and put the youngsters into the team and, and start something fresh. But then all you've got is, you know, a lot of frustrated and disgruntled players, you know, experienced older players who are thinking, well, hang on a second. Uh, why, why aren't we even being given a chance here? And that's never good for the team. Mm, yeah, I think um, squad rotation is key. 
and we've seen that so far. We have seen a fair bit of squad rotation in positions that have needed it. Wingers been rotated, midfielders have been rotated. Defence can't really be rotated because it's in a bit of a state, I think. But we have seen that rotation that wasn't there under Steve Bruce for whatever okay. reason. I have a question. Why hasn't, and in your in your opinion, James, why hasn't Yannick Balassi been given a start yet? Didn't he start against QPR? Has he? Did he? I, I believe he started against QPR, yeah. I don't think he did. I might be wrong. Shall we Shall we check that? That's yeah, right. We can always edit out the silence. It's all good. <laughs> not... He did not start against QPR. Ahmed Al-Mohamedi and uh, Jonathan Codger started out on the wing. Well, he mentioned that as well. Dean Smith actually went to lengths to explain that, that he was left behind against Norwich to kind of work. Who was, sorry? Fitness. He was oh, Yannick Balassi. to work on fitness, yeah. So I've no idea what's, what's happening with Balassi. I think, it, you know, a lot of people say fitness, but he also probably hasn't looked at his best. And I think from from the QPR game, he did have chances to put Villa in the lead and they weren't taken. Again, you can say that of Tammy Abraham. But I think Balassi's, you know, just take the chance, mate. He's in the position where he needs input. He needs to make his way into this team. Otherwise, Adoma, who would have started if he weren't injured, and Al Mohamed are going to keep him at the team, which is ridiculous considering, you know, his what his value, the wages he's on, his ability. But you have to see the input. Just ridiculous. Think he, do you think we we should we should sign up his cousin instead? <laughs> Who's his cousin now? Lalawaloa. <laughs> Kazenga Lalawaloa. <laughs> no, I don't think we'll go there. Um, it's Lamano who did the backflips. Um, triple. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. You know. But, you know. Uh, I didn't know that. By the way. No, I, that's uh, that's a rare one, and they play in the DRC national team. Of course, you've uh, Aaron Tishbola, who we'll know well. He probably won't ever play for Villa ever again. But I but I, interesting, you should say that name because I believe that a quote came out this week, and I believe that he he came out and said this week that he wants to fight and he wants to fight for a place in in Dean Smith's squad because he has been playing quite well for Kilmarnock. Yeah, exactly. Funny enough, I bet Villa will try and sign him in January, playing like John McGinn does uh, up north in Scotland because well, he is doing well. Um, sign, sign him. Yeah, of course, because we'll we'll look at players like that, won't we? He's, he's on know, loan. We... Of course, he is. I'm, it's a joke. Dan. Oh right, I was gonna. Say... <laughs> <laughs> right okay <laughs> but yeah, ironically he's the type of player we'll look to sign I think was the point of that oh yeah but, um, um, Aaron Tishbola midfield controller as he's called by uh, Killy fans really midfield yeah. controller I like that yeah, he's doing, he must be doing alright yeah nice um, I, I don't know if he has any future at Aston Villa I mean there was the, there was a typical there's a typical sort of like picture that was uh, that was taken you know uh, on the him with his arms crossed uh, leaning back against the wall, uh, and he and he did say that you know he he wants to he wants to he wants the chance to to fight for it, and I can understand that. You got to remember he was a young player when he was brought in, and I think there was flashes and games where he did look like he was pretty good. Perhaps he wasn't really played in his proper position. I I think per- personally that that Shibola should be. I mean, if if he is if he is ever back, should be tried out in like a tenacious box to box midfield style role. Somebody who's in there to to break up tackles, uh, and I, and I think that is actually a player that Villa lack. Just slightly. Um, I did not expect John McGinn to start taking a hold of that position, but uh, he has done somehow recently. Yeah, he's looking good, uh, John McGinn. I think uh, probably a signing Villa didn't need to make, but one we were very, very grateful Absolutely. for. 
because I hate you, you lack a good goalkeeper. I think Nyland's getting better, then he drops off, then he gets better, then he drops off. And we're lacking maybe an additional centre back or at least ah. some full backs to kind of competition, player back free. We have no options at the back, which is a, another big worry. That's another one, isn't it? Right. Mark Bond's been on the bench instead of Marrera. And I feel like this backs up my, my point about trying to appease uh, experienced players. Do you think that's the case with him as well? Because Marrera was obviously seen as a big signing when we signed him. Yeah, Marrera's an odd one because obviously he comes in as a loan signing when Villa have absolutely no money at all. And then, hey, they can buy Nyland. <laughs> you know, it, it seems like a, a pointless signing. I'm not sure what's happened with that one at all. I mean, we've seen Marrera play and it wasn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, it wasn't nice. Um, but what we've seen from Nyland isn't like a great deal better, but I think they make, they've got the right decision. It's man management. You stick behind Nyland because simply put, you have no one there who is any better. Even you can say Mark Ball might be better. I don't think he is, despite the mistakes of Nyland. But uh, man management, you you bench him. Do you take away what little confidence he has anyway, or do you hope that it doesn't get any worse from here? I think I hope that it doesn't get any worse from here. Can't get any. You can only get better from here, mate. We're already here. What Nyland? Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. I, th- I think he'll. I think he'll come good. Sorry. Excuse me. There. Uh, I think. I think he'll come good. Personally, he does look like he has all the all the attributes of a of a top keeper. I think that the only thing that he lacks right now in terms of those attributes is confidence, and hopefully that will come with time. However, I do believe he is a far cry from from Sam Johnston, who, in my opinion, is a keeper who should really be challenging Jordan Pickford for the England place. Yeah, and uh, because of Villa's situation, they couldn't follow up on that, I guess. Um, before we move on to preview the Bolton game, of course, um, Doug Ellis sadly passed away uh, in the weeks we were off. Yeah. Um, he's uh, deaf come out of time. I believe it was just after Dean Smith had signed for the club. Um, a lot of yeah, uh, memories yeah. come out, you know, a lot of stories come out about Doug Ellis and the role he had at Aston Villa. And I think it's something that we now, we've had the benefit of hindsight, that we appreciate a lot more in the modern era. I think a lot of criticism of Doug that as he was frugal, that he held the purse strings quite tightly and that he took a salary, a wage out of the club and that he had an ego. But I think those every all of those things befit Aston Villa, a club with an ego themselves. A club, you know, you have to have an ego to be called Aston Villa. Doug Ellis. Look, Sir yeah. Ellis... Sir Ellis had, uh, you know, he, he he loved Aston Villa and he was claret and blue through and through. And you, you knew that because he kept visiting the club, you know, even when he sold the club on. Uh, he, he's, he's been there for the majority of most uh, most Aston Villa fans' lives, yeah. right? And and he never left. He never left Villa Park. You know, that's, that, 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 that's another thing to remember. In fact, after he sold the club, I, I actually have a personal memory of meeting him. And honestly... You know, you'd expect somebody in that position, you know, having having been the owner of a of a football club and 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 having made their made their money and 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 whatnot, you 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 wouldn't expect so much humility from them, right? But don't, but but Sorelis, when when I met him as as a kid, he was lovely. Honestly, he took he took time out to speak to me, um, and he even even signed a program for me for what he called his special pen. <laughs> picked it out of his uh out, out, out of the inside pocket of his of his big overcoat as you as you usually see him in Aston Villa and uh took took a picture with me and I honestly had a, had such a positive experience with 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 him 
Um, that was a very, very long time ago. But I, I think it just, you know, we have to say that when you think about Aston Villa, Sir, uh, Sir Doug Ellis is uh, one of the one of the people that comes to mind straight away. Yeah, of course. I've got my, that was a really nice story, by the way. And uh, I've got my own, and and it, to, it related to Howard Hodgson, who you interviewed for the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, Howard was very kind to me when I helped him do some work for the the Villa Trust, and he offered me his tickets for the director's box at Aston Villa. I just you know, this was mind blowing. Me and my dad, I took my dad with me. And he had a table and we went and sat at the table. No one believed we were meant to be there. I had to verify a few times that we were meant to be there uh, in the director's box. <laughs> and, you know, it was a humbling experience. Um, you know, you see Brian Little, England, Ian Taylor and Keith Wynas, the, you know, the, the presence of these people, the size of these people, that, was, they, they seem massive. This was recent, was it? Yeah, it was, uh, this was February, um, Valentine's Day, actually, February 14th, 20, oh, 2017. So it was very recent. We lost to Barnsley. I believe it was 3-1. And uh, I'll come, I'll, I've got more stories to tell about this day. But uh, Doug Ellis, we sat down <laughs> and we get, people were wiping crumbs off us. You had the waiters there telling you stories, attentive, feeding you everything, giving you any drink you know that you wanted. And then you go to the, the box for the game and come back after the game and, and drink and drink and drink. But Doug Ellis was there the entire time. So Doug Ellis was there the entire time. And he was staring at my dad like staring intentively, and I thought, Dad, Sir Doug Ellis is staring at you. We're gonna get kicked out. We're, we're frauds. <laughs> we're frauds. We shouldn't be here. We don't earn that much money. I'm on 18k a year. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't be here. I don't feel like I. You know, growing up in Great Bar, Erdington, Hansworth, I don't think I should be here. I don't belong. But Doug Ellis come over, and he was quite frail at this time. You know, of course, so he had help coming over, and he shuffles over to my dad. And he's like, who Who are you? And I'm like, this is it. This is absolutely us getting kicked out. <laughs> and I couldn't hear much of the conversation because his voice was quite quiet and, and shaky. But mm-hmm. he, he, I think what he was trying to get at was that he knew my dad. This is his first time here and he was an unfamiliar face. So he just said, enjoy the game. Enjoy this. You know, take this in and enjoy this. Yeah. And he says yeah. to my dad, enjoy the game. And I thought, you know, Doug Ellis, you're the reputation of Spain's got. We're gonna get kicked out, mate. We are done. And <laughs> you know, that really settled me down because I was nervous. I was horrendously nervous. I, I'm, I'm not used to. I don't like dressing in formal. Why, clothes. Why are you so? Why are we so nervous? I don't like dressing in formal clothes. Um, I don't mm. like being in environments where I'm getting stuff for free. Um, which is you know odd. Um, no, no, that's 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 normal. That's, it was, that's it was really very sort of like formal, a, and I'm not used to that. So yeah. I was very nervous, and my dad was Brian Little's there. My Brian Little's my dad's hero, and my dad's hero, and my mm-hmm. my dad was. I don't think he he was too humble to go and ask Brian for a photo or anything like that. That was I, gutting. But uh, yeah, Doug Ellis come over and calm. You know, I don't know if he knew what he was doing, if he knew how nervous we were, but he just said enjoy it, and that meant the world because I could enjoy it then. It's very nice. That's a beautiful story, James. I'm, 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 I'm glad. I'm glad you, you had such a positive experience with him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was, uh, it was the same for me when we met. We met him at a, uh, it wasn't a director's box. It was one of those, you know, the hospitality suites, and it is, it is surreal as well. You know, being surrounded by all those villa legends. Yeah, even if you're, you in, know, especially because I was, I was with my dad as yeah, well. Even if you're in the quote-unquote lowly hospitality box, it's still a, a massive, expi- luxurious experience. You know that. That not many people oh, yeah, 100%. Are, are 
clued into. And it happens, you know, it happens at Villa Park behind the scenes. You know, there's people in these directors' boxes all the time, living up life in, in these executive boxes, living the time. And, you know, there's people like Doug Ellis making them feel comfortable and at home in their home, which is Villa Park. And I, I'm really grateful for that. And I think my daddy is too. And it takes, um, you know, when I was looking, when I wrote the story about his death and uh, I was looking for photos on Getty Images to use, you know, ones that represented him, um, overwhelmingly, a lot of the photos were of the protest in 2005 or six, which was Ellis out. And um, it, it kind of, you know, with hindsight, it, it, just, it leaves a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Like, I'm knowing not a lot, not a lot of people want to think this, but Villa in the modern era after 1982, with Doug Ellis's baby, and you know, for the lack of success we've had in this time, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't know where the story ends with that. It just it made a, it made it left a bad taste in my mouth seeing all those photos because I don't know how he must have felt in those times. I mean, he he, he must was... have been the bigger man to obviously take it on the chin and sell the club at the right time. So the right person at the at that time, I guess. But look, it was an era as well where where you know you had to almost yeah yeah it was it was you were always going to struggle, weren't you, because of the fact that so many of the bigger teams or if you were gonna if you were gonna compete at a Champions League level, you almost had to sell the club out for um you know for ridiculous amounts of money. You know you saw what happened with with Chelsea around that time. That was the time where all of this was happening, and you know I think there's something to be said about Villa you know, keeping the tradition going for so long. Yeah, there is that, isn't there? There really is that. You know, it's, it's, worth, it's worth saying that. And I think that where the club was at the time, managerially, there was big issues with... Um, it was David O'Leary at the time. I remember this is actually my first season actually watching, watching Villa. Um, and I guess, yeah, I, I don't know if I... I don't know if I understand the full extent... Of what was going on at the time, but I, I, I do, re- I do seem to remember that you know there was big managerial issues at the time, and um, yeah, you can't attribute all the blame for what was going on at Villa to to Sudok. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one. I think it's it's a complex one. But um, you know, first thing after the news of his death at the Barcelona was forum posts, discussion. You know what Pete fans would like to do to him, that they should strip the name from the the stand. The Witten Lane stand, and it should be called anything except the Doug Ellis stand. And I think I hope hopefully we've all mellowed in that in the time since then to appreciate, I guess, the character that Doug mm-hmm. Ellis was. And yeah, whilst there are criticisms may remain, um, I hope that hasn't detracted from anyone to think that he was a horrible, horrible man. Because I don't think that, I think that's far from the truth. I think all the stories that may have come out about him about his dealings or anything like that whilst we was at the club I hope people can just take a bit more of a mellowed approach to it because I think that's what these circumstances have to bring mate I guess you know he, he yeah, I agree regardless of what he did and the money he didn't spend Aston Villa I don't think that makes him bad a bad person I won't make, make, make him a, a quote unquote bad owner in some people's eyes but I think it just makes him a sensible sensible man regardless of anything that was happening but yeah, I think that's about it on uh, Sir Doug Ellis. He, you know, rest in peace. Uh, a long story time at Aston Villa now comes to an end and uh, the chapter goes on and it goes on against Bolton Wanderers on Friday night, mate. Uh, preview, I guess. Uh, Bolton Wanderers, 
I'm not sure. I'm not too clued up on them this season, mate. Have you watched any Bolton Wanderers? I know I'm putting you on the spot right now, and I'm I'm sorry about that. Um, I think they've been better to some degree. Well, they're two points uh, below Villa. They're on sixteenth, sixteen points, nineteenth position. They had a good start, but they did. They have they have tailed off in in recent weeks, which sounds a bit like us. To yeah. I mean, in some in, in some in some respects, look, they they were a team who were who were really sort of like tipped for relegation, and I think they've been. Um, I th- I think they they're pulling together as a team who are I think financially not incredibly well off. Uh, they've had their issues over the last few years. Um, they're they're making do with. I, I'm not. I don't want to say fairly average players, but they're but they're, but they're, they're making do so far, and I and I think that um, Villa need to watch out for Josh McGuinness, um, especially you know coming into that game. He's been in some. He's been in some fine form, uh, and also it is worth mentioning that, uh, that I mean they've had some decent performances as well from Sam Yamiobi, who looks a lot better this season too. So I don't think they're. To be, I don't think they're to be taken uh, too lightly, Bolton. Uh, they have had some fairly decent results, but um, recent weeks just haven't been great. They'll be licking their wounds as well because they've just lost. Well, Bolton have just been beat at home at the Macron Stadium for the first time, and this is at home, for 82 years by Hull. They haven't lost a Hull at home in around 82 years. And they just I have. I don't think that's... I think that's another one of those stats you just pull out of nowhere. No, that is, that is 100% true. Hull really? have never been... Beaten Bolton in Bolton since March 1935. That's pre-war. <laughs> That's a long pre-war time. Games. That's before most people think football existed. <laughs> 1992, <laughs> as we all know, was the birth of our beautiful game. What do you think? Of, what, what do you think of the job that Phil Parkinson's been been doing at Bolton? James? It's probably better than anyone else could have done, but I don't think Bolton can do a good job in anything because of the constant stream off the field issue if you think Villa's off the field issues are bad Bolton have been in non-stop will they won't they administration since they were relegated from the Premier League was it five six years ago now ish and it's only been sadness since then there has been one one well two spots of optimism one was getting promoted from League One to the Championship and two were staying up at the last gasp last minute opportunity that they had to stay up last season. That's it. That is it. I think Villa had have had bright spots in all this in all this quote unquote sadness. They've had bright spots. Bolton's just been misery. And it hasn't just been about the football, it's been off the pitch. Um so I think Phil Parkinson to be out of the relegation zone, to be four points clear of the relegation zone this early on, I think you can be relatively happy with that as a Bolton Wanderers fan. I think that you have to understand that Bolton are in a major rebuilding process. I think you look at sort of the villa, the issues that Villa have had, uh, they've been bad. Bolton, you perhaps have to look at more as a team who have struggled in the sense that Sunderland have. You know, when they went down, they went down again. You know, they, they, they haven't been in the Premier League for a long time. They're actually the first team that I ever went to see play football. I saw, I saw Bolton take on Aston Villa in the Reebok uh, I think it was known as the Reebok Arena at the time. It's the uh, same stadium they have now. Yeah, I, I can't remember which uh, which game it was, but it may have been the one where Craig Gardner scored the goal, um, uh, which went 
when which, when the ball got played over his shoulders and he and he whacked it in. And I think it might have been a volley. I'm not sure if that was the first Bolton Wanderers versus Villa game I went to, but it might have been. But it was definitely one of them. So I I do have a soft spot for them because um because obviously my my, my dad was actually mates with the Bolton Wanderers fan who took us there. Um, so I mean I, I I don't like seeing them do badly. I I, I want to see Bolton do well uh, to some degree. But look, look at them this season. Obviously, they're you know only a couple of points below us. They've had some terrible form as of late. They they've struggled to 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 get a to, you know to, to to get a victory in the last few games. The last game they won was against Derby, and that was about five games ago, I believe. Now the thing is, last season, James, right? It took them all the way up until mid October to actually win a game anyway. So they've made a better start than they had done last season. So I would make the argument perhaps that they are doing better and that you know they they need to understand that at this point they're not more than a relegation battling side if they can finish mid table they'll be happy they have got players in there who can uh, make us hurt so we shouldn't you know necessarily play this off as a as a as, as an easy victory um the Bolton Wanderers side of a couple of years ago you have to remember was one that got promoted uh under a transfer embargo they're rebuilding um they 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 really are rebuilding um so they're a team, perhaps much like us, who are just a game away from from getting a decent run of form. No, it hasn't uh, gone well for Bolton at all. But they come to Villa Park on Friday, and uh, Villa to win this. I think very simply, quickly to win this, all they do, all they need, is a bit of luck. That's it, because they're playing very well. And hey, teams are got, teams are going to nick points off them or keep you up. Teams going to win, but they need luck. That's it. Do you think so? I think we're going to struggle, James. You really think so? I'll tell you why. They've been playing with five midfielders. You know, I th- you know, you look at guys like Josh Vela, who are just going to absolutely battle in that midfield. Uh, and I don't know if, you know, not just him as well. You know, also uh, J- Joe Williams as well. The, the, you know, the, the 20, I think he's 21 years old. Uh, the, the defensive midfielder who's been in there, you know, he's been, he's been, uh, he's, he's being, you know, slowly put into the team, but he's definitely somebody that bought that Bolton Wanderers fans, uh, fans rate. You know, that five in midfield, I saw Villa absolutely struggle to to get a hold of the midfield against QPR this week. So if they're playing against a side who who are playing with, with three at the back and, and, and five uh, five midfielders, I, I do think that they're going to struggle to keep the ball, Villa. Honestly, I just don't know if we're going to gain as much control in that game as we want to. They have to be at their best to beat Bolton. That means doing what they're doing but being aware of a relentless crushing press, you know, in in their half, or if they sit back, being aware that at any time this game could turn on its head. So I think Villa need to be pitch perfect to to beat Bolton. And do you know what? They also have a player in their side, Bolton, right, who hasn't scored a goal yet this season, but always seems to torment us. Who's that? I'll give you a clue: ex Birmingham City striker. Clayton Donaldson. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did, I know. He could, you know, he always looks a business against Aston Villa. And it has to, it has to do with something more than Birmingham City. He does look <laughs> really good. <laughs> he does look genuinely brilliant against Aston Villa at all times. And to the point where I'm wondering, why didn't Villa just, just sign him? At one point, cheap signing, wow. that always looks good. He hasn't scored a goal yet this season. Well, it's on the cards, isn't it? As always, as per usual. Jamaican international. <laughs> <laughs> see him playing up front with uh, Usain Bolt, actually. That's oh, yeah, point. of course. Oh, can yeah, I just... Might... 
Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I know you're going to bring up Ross McCormack. Yeah, I was going to say, right, we can't go through this podcast without mentioning the fact that since we've been on air, Ross McCormack and Usain Bolt has been a strike punt for, for an actual football team. <laughs> that, was, that was a real thing that happened. This is, uh, it is ridiculous. It is, it is ridiculous. I think uh, Usain Bolt is a terrible, he is a terrible footballer. And there is no reason what? why he should be in a contract holdout. He's holding out for more cash. But we're the Central Coast Mariners. What was it that Andy Keogh said? I'm not I'm not too clued up on it. <laughs> he said Andy Keogh said that Usain Bolt has a first touch like a trampoline. <laughs> it's true. Anyone who's into Australian football is a fan of the Central Coast Mariners. I think this is a farce. Really? Ross McCormack was a brilliant marquee signing for him, and now Usain Bolt is being forced into his strike partnership with him. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Entirely ridiculous. Um, no, no matter what he could bring in, in merchandise in, but hey, I don't know about paying him three million pound a season. I want to try and give him thirty grand, three hundred grand. Sorry, would he make wants a be- three million. Would he make a better striker than Ross McCormack has for Villa? No, no, he wouldn't. I don't think. I don't think he'd score a goal in the championship at all. I don't think he'd look even close. He'd be good. You no, know, he's good at sprinting. But he's just not a footballer, mate. Mm. You have to, you have to be tra- you have to be trained for years to have the first touch that even Gabby Bonlaw has. You know, he can't just. It's like them them forty year old blokes in the pub saying, "Oh, put me on that pitch, I'll have him." No, Agbonlo, you wouldn't. Agbonlo had a decent first touch to, to be fair to him. I do. Yeah, when it bounced off his shin and he could uh, get enough sprinting pace to go past the first man. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess he did, but a complete accident. <laughs> but mate, um, we want, we need to finish up. I want your prediction for uh, the bottom wonderers game. Yeah, okay. Uh one nil. One nil villa. I'm gonna go two one villa. Okay, okay. You do see That's fair. I think both fair. Scoring. Yeah. In fact they probably they probably might score first. I always do this, but I think they might score first. Clayton Donaldson? Hope not. I really yeah. hope not. Uh who's who's um who's pulling out those two goals for Villa? Considering that Tammy Abraham, as of late, I at first I thought at first I thought this attitude, this demeanor that he has of angriness or sorry anger uh, is the correct word uh, when when the, when when he's not you know getting the balls in that he wants. I thought that was good, you know. I thought that was hungry, but recently it's just seemed a little bit annoying uh, that he's been you know out there with that demeanor, but he's missed you know a few easy easy chances. And on the other hand, you've got Jonathan Codger who doesn't seem to be able to 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 get. Um, get a piece of action at all. Well, it's a, it's the dawn of the Dean, of course, and uh, we might be seeing Scott Hogan, his old uh, striking pal, start up front maybe at some point. Look, um, no but I think T- Tammy's doing a good job. He's doing an alright job, isn't he, Tammy? Who's scoring? Who's scoring? Okay, I think Just Tammy, Abraham t- Tam- Tammy Abraham takes it first because Tammy Abraham scores goals, mate. Okay. And the second goal is coming when Scott Hogan gets brought on in the 65th minute. Are you being serious? I am being serious. He did not look anywhere near ready against Norwich. Was it Norwich? Yeah, it was Norwich. But they were doing that Villa thing again of bringing, you know, it just doesn't work. What's that? Striker, straight, straight striker swaps don't work. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I don't think it was a straight striker swap. I can't remember. I think they brought <laughs> him on, on the wing, didn't they? Quite possibly. They brought some someone off the wing. I think he might have been a Doma or Al Mohammadi come off so he could go on and Al Ghazi 
them fielding on the wing. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I want to see Scott Hogan score. So that's what I'm saying. Okay, sweet. Um, <laughs> that's fine. All right, I think, both, I think we've both given our predictions there, James. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, James, let's have a look and see if there's any other sort of pieces of news which are around at Villa. There has been talk that James Collins has been training with the squad. Yeah, that's been going on for a while, hasn't it? What do you make of it? Do you think now that Dean Smith has had a little bit of time with the players, uh, knowing that there is only two centre-backs there? And actually, uh, if I remember correctly against QPR, not a single defender was on the bench. Uh, do you think that Villa are going to take up the opportunity with him? I think they may do, but they um, can just wait till January and recall Tommy Alfie for a small fee. That's it. You don't, you don't think that you know that's a little bit long to wait? Maybe, maybe it is. Um, James Collins surely would come in cheap, but I don't think he was the best defender at Villa when he joined in 2009. So <laughs> I don't think he's got any better in his time away from the game in, these, uh, in this last uh, season or so, or he hasn't been playing at West Ham or wherever he was. But yeah, I, I mean, if Villa want to take it and Dean Smith is uh, impressed enough, then go for it. But I'm not expecting major things or a massive change to Villa at all. Yeah, I think it's worth giving Christian Perslow a quick shout out as well. Um, of course, for donating uh, five thousand six hundred pounds to that uh, donation to uh, Sean Cox, the uh, Liverpool fan. Yeah, who's uh, raising, who's, who's having money being raised for him due to his condition. I think that's brilliant, mate. Yeah, really, you know, really uh, impressed with uh, our CEO since he's uh, been operating at Villa. And uh, I think a final note, of course, our thoughts are with Leicester City Football Club after, you know, no details have been released and we won't speculate on anything or confirm anything. So, frankly, we have no right to. But uh, our thoughts are with the uh, football club after a helicopter came down in the car park, which, of course, is uh, horrific stuff, mate. Yeah, no, it is absolutely horrific. And I think think whatever has gone on and, you know, whatever, um, whatever... You know, Leicester, Leicester fans, and obviously the, the 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 families of anybody involved does have to deal with. Uh, I think you know it's worth saying that yeah, our our thoughts are with them, uh, and nobody ever wants to see anything like that happen in football. And yeah, or at all, no. Yeah, our thoughts are with uh, Leicester City Football Club, but as for Aston Villa, they go on, and uh, we'll be back next week after the Bolton Wonders match on Friday night. Um, Danny, I know you've got a new Twitter account. Is that right for uh, professional use? Yep, absolutely. So it's at uh, Raza Journo. Uh, you can follow me on there. Uh, that is the place to reach me now. Uh, the other account is no longer in use. Yeah, fair play. I don't blame you. Um, I'm at Jamo Rushton, J-A-M-O-R-U-S-H-T-O-N. And we're together at 7,500 to halt. So uh, thank you for bearing with us in our time off. But we'll be back as regular after Bolton Wanderers hopefully lose to Aston Villa. So we'll see you then, guys. Goodbye.